0: If you would, go ahead and turn with me to John 6. If you can find a Bible. And there's Bibles right there in your basket on, on those chairs in front of you or behind you. So if you'd like to grab one of those and go to John 6. <clears throat> you know, Jesus in His, uh, in his own ministry uh, put a focus on children. His disciples at one point uh, were with Him and He was... He was uh, people wanting to see him, and you know, of course, he was a hot commodity during the day. Uh, People wanted to be near him; they wanted to see him. He was already famous for a lot of the miracles he had done, and uh, people were people were lined up waiting to see him. You know, and then all of a sudden, some uh, ladies bring their their babies—literally, is what the the Greek says—the babies to him. And uh, the disciples, Peter in particular, he says, "Hang on, now. You know, (laughs) there's other people in line. That's a little more important. These babies. These babies aren't even going to remember. You know." Uh, seeing Jesus, whereas all these other people, they've been waiting all day to see Him. We're going to need to get them in line first, uh, and not the babies. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. Suffer not the little children to come unto Me, uh, for such is the kingdom of heaven. And at another time, He was teaching. And <clears throat> all of a sudden, He stops His sermon. You can just imagine this. And He brings a child before His disciples. And he says, you see this child, if you can't be like a child, you never enter the kingdom of heaven. So, children... Uh, the kingdom of heaven is for children. And so at Harvest Point, one of the things we do, and you know this already, but we keep our kids in the service all the way up to this point normally uh, so that they can see their own parents praying, so they can see their parents singing praises to God. That's really important. Uh, you know, there, there's, there's some places that think it's, it's better to, to sort of segregate at the beginning, but, uh, but we're not of that mindset. We think it's good that they see you doing that. Uh, they don't need to just hear a teacher. You need to be their greatest teacher. You need to be their greatest discipler. You are, at the end of the day, their discipler, no matter if you want to be or not. So, <clears throat> children, look around today and see your parents and the adults here. It's, I know it's a little bit different setting. But also, I would ask the adults to look around because Jesus says we're supposed to be like them. Now, that's kind of flipping things on its head a little bit, isn't it? That's kind of interesting. So, we're to be restless, Right? We're to talk while other people are ta- no. Well, you know, <laughs> let's let's hope not all of us do that. But uh, all right, let let's look real quick uh, at at John six, and we're going to go to verse twenty five. This is a it's a, it's the longest chapter in John, and uh, we have it. We're going to begin here in twenty five, and Jesus has already fed five thousand plus people. Now, now the way they did the counting was they only counted the men. So we're talking about 5,000 men. And, you know, if you were just to take the, the count of men here and then add on the wives and the children, you can, you can see very quickly this is upwards of 10,000 people or something like that. So uh, quite a few people he has fed. And now he starts talking about um, bread. Bread. So notice this, when they found him on the other side of the sea, this is verse 25 of 6, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? He had just walked on water, by the way. (laughs) Uh Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking. Notice how he doesn't even answer their question. Uh, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? Now he's already done signs, but they want another one. Jesus answered them, Sorry, lost my place. Where are we at? 31? 32. Thank you. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. Notice this, for the bread of God is He who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to Him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life Whoever comes to Me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in Me shall never thirst. Can we say that together? I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. Let us pray. Jesus, thank You for Your words here. You spoke these words, and these words were written down for such a time as this. And so Lord, we pray that Your Spirit, who inspired the very words that we just read, would again inspire in our own hearts what you have to say to us today. We pray that we would not only be able to hear you, but able to respond in repentance and true faith. Today we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Food is good. That's a great place to have an amen right there, right? I had one amen from right over here real strong, right? I mean... There's not many people in here that would just simply say, and I don't know that I've ever met someone personally who is, has matter-of-factly just simply said to me, I really don't like food. Like, I just don't, I don't have a hankering for it. I just simply don't like it. Don't like to do it. You know, I don't like anything about it. I could simply do without food in my life. You know, even if we didn't have to have food, I would eat food. I'll just be honest with you. Uh, you know, it's just the kind of, I mean, if you know me for five minutes, you're going to know if you spend one day with me, just one day with me, you'll see very quickly that my body needs food. I get a headache. I get what they call I get hangry. Uh, something happens to my blood pressure. Uh, you know, if there's one weakness about me, it's definitely that I, I really need food. And once I get that food, it's like a new world to me. You can ask Jessica. I, it's like a, it's a whole new world once I eat. Uh, It's unbelievable. And so I've actually made plans around food. We've actually vacationed before for food. Like that's the reason we went down there. We went to New Orleans for food. We went to the beach for seafood. I I don't know if that's weird to you, but that's what we like to do. We plan our day around what we're going to eat. We don't eat a whole lot during the day. We're at the beach and at night we tear up some seafood. That's like, that's just how we do it. Now maybe we're weird, maybe we're different, but I don't think so. I think most of us enjoy food really well. Can I get amen, kids? Is that right? Pizza is one of the foods that around our house is like a a mainstay. They they could eat pizza every single day, and we have to kind of pull back on that. See, I got, there you go. Um, But, you know, here's the thing. Food is good because God created food. Isn't that awesome? God actually made food. That again, he's got it wide open because, you see, the Bible tells us that God created out of nothing. In other words, there was no, nothing here, and he created everything out of his own desires, out of his own mind, we can say, out of his own dreams and imagination. He created this world just like he wanted it to be. That's why when he creates at every stage, at the end of every single day, he says, you know what? This is good. It wasn't a preference kind of good. It was this is exactly what I wanted it to be. This turned out exactly like I want. You ever had something do that? Like maybe a meal, right? Yeah. I, I, one time I, I got up early and uh, was going to cook Jessica some really good uh, French toast. And, um, so I, you know, I looked up the recipe and I'd never done it before. I looked up the recipe and, uh, you know, got to go and got all these dishes out, messed up a bunch of stuff, you know, spread out this meal, whatever, started to, started to cook the French toast. And, um, and it was just a complete disaster. House was smoke. She awoke to a house that was filled with smoke. Uh, the, the, the first piece of toast was so absorbed with my substance that was just awful. I couldn't even eat it myself, and I can eat most things. Uh, and the rest of the toast was, didn't have enough to even do. It wasn't even worth looking at. It, and they were burned. It was awful. I, I did an awful, awful job. My heart was in the right place, but it was not good at all. My intention Well, see, here's the thing about God. His intentions were good in creation, in creating us. He didn't create out of necessity. He didn't create because He had to. Nobody was forcing Him or putting His arm behind His back. He created out of an abundance of His love. So He is love, the Bible says. And out of that abundance spills out creation in a real way. It's like bumping into God is going to spill out love. I don't know what happens when people bump into you, but I hope it's love because that's what happens when you bump into God. And it's overflowing love is what creation is about. That's why... In my mind, evolution really, the theory of evolution really never gets down to why in our world. It doesn't answer the questions properly. Like, why do we have taste buds? If it's all about survival, if we're some animal that, that, that struggled to get to where we're at now just based off of survival, there is no reason to have taste buds to be able to variate between flavors. That's, that's superfluous. How about that for a word, kids? That's over and beyond. Can you say superfluous with me? There you go. You learned a new word today. See, we're in class, right? So This is all the children's chat today, you understand, right? Even, even for the adults. Remember, because the adults are supposed to be learning from the kids. And, and here's the reality. God creates everything out of nothing. Out of His own mind. Out of his own love, out of his own will, out of his own relationship of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and that's why family matters. Because God's a divine family. Notice how He names Himself Father. He could have just simply called Himself King. He could have called Himself CFO or CEO or Executor or Who Boss. He could have been Boss. Literally, could have been Boss and Employee and you know the Spirit. No, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. This is a family, a divine family. Three persons, one God. One God in three persons. And He likes people and He creates us in such a way that we can actually taste food and enjoy it. It's not just some, you know, like there's certain things that we do as humans, right? Kids, there's certain things you have to do like take a bath. That's not, very, that's not always that fun. Sometimes you know it'd be good if you're really dirty or you're trying to wake up, you need a bath, right, or a shower. But, but most things that we do in our body, they're not real fun, are they? But eating is one of these things that God has given to us that's meant to be enjoyable. It is. Did you know that in the Bible, there's a lot about food? You remember, actually, right at the beginning, God creates Adam and Eve. And guess where He puts them? Does he put them in a concrete jungle? No. Does he put them out to sea? No. He puts them in a what? A garden. Garden. You know what's in a garden? Food. My pappy always had this big garden. My grandpa had this big garden, and he would actually, uh, again, that word superfluous. Remember, over and beyond, too much. He had a too big of a garden. No words, he couldn't eat all that food, but you know what he did? Just like God, he shared. God doesn't just keep all the goodness that he has. Instead, he's always wanting to share it. And Pappy would work in that garden, and he would create all these awesome vegetables. Just think about your favorite vegetable real quick. Stream beans. Mine, you know, by far, stream beans is mine. Uh, many people call them green beans, but stream beans is the Mississippi way of saying it, so I'm going to stick with that. Butter beans, peas collards, right? You know, you get real southern and stuff. Uh, That's in a garden. Fruit in a garden. That's where God places them. In a garden. You know what? Not only that, when God wants His people to remember something, you know what He does? You know what He tells them? You think He tells them to do a post-it note? You know what I'm talking about? Those little sticky notes, guys? No? He He doesn't tell them to do a sticky note, does He? What does He tell them to do? Eat. Cook a big meal. Spend time as a family together remembering. You know what? Most people, when they get together for the holidays, I mean, just name a holiday. July the 4th. uh, Memorial Day. uh, Labor Day. Christmas. Thanksgiving. St. Patrick's Day. Uh, Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Some Irish food. I like that. I I like thinking about that. uh, Potatoes. I've been to Northern Ireland. Lots of potatoes. I love potatoes. We eat potatoes every single day for every single meal. I love that. Should go back. But anyway, I digress. Uh, Yes. Every single holiday. You know what people do in order to celebrate that day? They get together and eat. God says, you know what? In order to remember what I did in Egypt, delivering you by my power I want you to eat a big meal called the Passover. Roast and have lamb chops. And they did. All the way until Jesus, they did. And you know what? Even in the Christian church, that should not be lost. We should at times feast. And we do. We try to here at Harvard. We have times where we... Feast as a congregation, where where we get together. There should be times in your own family where you feast, where you lay it all out, spread it all out, so that your family eats together. This is something that God would have us do. This is something that is holy. You know, John Wesley had a really unique way of viewing food. If you ever go back and just sort of read some of his writings, uh, one thing is um, Methodists were actually known as not being fat people. Uh, That's just... That's actually, uh, there's, there's a guy who, who went and observed Methodist. And that's one of the things he said is, yeah, you know, of course, they're not going to be fat. Because Mr. Wesley always talked about dieting and proper health when it came to food. Because to him, eating was a, something that was holy. It wasn't something that was secular. We shouldn't separate it and just think of ourselves as some animal that needs nourishment. No, every single time we sat down at a meal, that should be... Blessed by God, because it is blessed by God. Now, let me tell you something really, really funny. When I was in India, this last trip, this last year, uh, we sat down and we started eating. And I'm like, well, we didn't really pray, you know. So I kind of inquired about, you know, because I just always have been grown up praying for every meal. And, and um, I said, hey, we, you know, we didn't, we didn't bless the food. You know, he said, oh, God's already blessed the food back when he created it. I will like, say, oh, okay, yeah, I like that mentality, you know. But I still think there is a place to give God thanks. If you notice, when Jesus is praying for food, He doesn't pray to bless it. In other words, He doesn't hold up the bread, you know, or the fishes when He feeds the 5,000 and say, Lord, bless this uh, so that we don't get sick. Instead, He says, thank you, Father. And it multiplied. We should give thanks every single time we eat, knowing from whose hand we're being fed ultimately knowing Amen. that the taste, the goodness of this food is designed by him. He wants us to enjoy steak or etouffee or whatever it is you like, macaroni and cheese, you know, whatever it is. He wants you to enjoy that food. He designed it. It's good because he made it good. Now, food can also get in us in trouble, though, too, right? Amen. You ever eaten something bad? You ever eaten something bad? That that really sets you back a little bit, doesn't it? You know? Thankfully, I didn't have a bad experience when I was in India eating something bad. But here in America, I have. And it's been bad. And it's been real bad. Your your body wants to get that out, right? And, And you're like, wow, this is something tough. Did you know that the first sin ever done in the world was over food? Isn't that interesting? Very first, it wasn't somebody murdered somebody or lied about something. It was over food. That's how important food is in our life. It is actually very important. And the Scripture has some guidelines for us uh, to observe food and right ways. You remember the Jews were not allowed to eat certain foods so that they might be different than their neighbors. Unfortunately, they weren't able to eat bacon. I had some bacon this morning, actually unbelievable. Thick. We get that thick bacon, you know. Very, very tasty. Uh, and I cooked it because I wanted it this morning. And I thought about the Jews. And they could not have pig. Any kind of pork. They're out. Now thankfully, Peter sees this vision. You remember this? In Acts. And this sheep comes down and there's all kind of animals in it. And the Lord says, go and eat, Peter. And he says, "Oh, not me, man. I've never put pork in my mouth ever not going to. And God says, do not call unclean what I make clean. So now, thankfully, we are at liberty to eat all kinds of food, even seafood, uh, which was also, some of those were off limits to the Jews. Um, and so God has graced us and opened it up even more that we can do that, and, uh, which, is, which is awesome. But, but notice this, when Adam and Eve were in the garden, you guys remember that? Oh, are my kids still with me? Okay, good. You you remember, they were in the garden, and God said, do not eat of this one tree, right? Well, Eve, she gets over there, and it says in the Bible that she saw that it was good and pleasing and desirous. Those are the words that you... So it was good to her eyes. It was desirous to her but it was not good for God. Everything that's in the world is not good for us. Even though it was created good by God. Everything, now everything wide open in the world is good because it was created by God and yet is not good for us. There are certain times that we need to eat and other times when we don't need to eat. There are certain times when we need to do things and other times when we're not told to do those things. C.S. <clears throat> Lewis, in addressing the issue that I'm talking about, he says, imagine this keyboard right here, right? has all these different keys on it. Black keys and white keys. Some are shorter and further down this way. Some would make a little ding, 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 ding. Other boom, 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 right? In the middle kind of makes this something like that. My throat's a little off, but... You get the point. That's why I'm not on a music team. But <clears throat> all these keys are spread before us. Which ones are good? Well, they're all good, right? And there's, not, there's not like an evil key over there. Dun, dun, dun. That's the evil one. And ding, ding, ding. That's the good. That's not what we're talking about. You know, it's, you know, all of them are good. But what makes them good or bad in a moral sense, in a music sense, if you will, is when they're played. In the same way... God says to us, don't do certain things. So, food is a good thing, but it can become a bad thing. Just like everything else in our life. Just like everything else. You know, having fun with your family. Entertainment. Media. Media. Books, movies, video games, all the stuff that kids are into you know, playing outside. All that's good. But if it's a blizzard outside, I'm sorry, you're not going out. You can cry all day that you want to, but you're not going out. In the same way God tells us, adults as well as kids, He says, you know what? Stop doing that. He said, hang on, I thought uh, it's in your world. It's up for grabs, right? No, 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 no. It's not how the way things work. Just like a keyboard. It's got to be played at the right time that the composer says it is to be played on the music sheet. What's our music sheet? The Bible. the Bible. Be like a little kid and understand that to do what the Father says, to be in obedience to Him is the only way to live a good, fulfilling, satisfied life. So food is good, but too much is bad. And here's the real secret that John 6 tells us. God is more important than food. That's pretty crazy now, because we've already pretty much established that food is pretty serious. I mean, there's probably not any of us today that are not going to come in contact with food in some way. Mainly putting it in here, right? Like, that's what we really want to do. It's interesting where our culture has really come. I've often thought to myself... If some, you know, if, if all of a sudden just everybody just disappeared from Huntsville, from Madison, uh, and, and and you know, sociologists hundred years later come walking through Seventy Two, just imagine that everybody just disappeared. All sudden, everything was just left just like it is. Hundred years later, they come walking through studying us. Okay, there's a food establishment. There's a food establishment. Oh There's another food establishment. Oh, guess what? There's another food establishment. Oh, oh, and another one behind that one and beside that one and and in that one. It's like those two are combined. There's another food establishment. This place is a really big food establishment. This is another food establishment. What do you think they would think about us? Either one of two things. One, that we were starving to death, you know, and it like, you know, just couldn't help but think about food. Or we were obsessed with it. One or the other. In the midst of plenty, we need to make sure that we are in moderation. This is is really where the Scripture comes down. The Bible says, look, eat, drink, and be merry. Do it. Feast. But there's also times for fasting. There's also times for pulling back. There's also times to say, you know what, I'm going to eat a moderate amount because today I'm thinking of others around the world who don't have what I have. This this is what the scripture calls to is what Jesus calls us to by his actions. At times he attends a wedding where they feasted. He provided the wine. Other times he goes into seclusion and prays. And his disciples come to him even while he's ministering saying, "Hey, we're going to go pick up a burger down, you know, here near Samaria. Do you need anything?" He says, "No, my food is the Father's will." There needs to be times where we pull back our society is one of feast every day. Uh-huh. Amen. It's good to pull back. Moderation uh, in Proverbs is one of the key themes of that book. All things in moderation. Uh, so, God is more important than food. How do I know that? Because Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Now, He makes these I am statements. There are seven famous I am statements But there's actually more I am statements. Like, for instance, he says, before Abraham was, I am. Which really is getting down to, I mean, you talk about claiming to be God. That's about as clear as it gets right there. Before Abraham was, I am. And everybody knew what I am was in in Jerusalem. Trust me. I am is Yahweh. Yahweh means I am. Am. And when Jesus said, said it in Greek, he was literally saying, I, I myself. In other words, I'm my own authority here when I say this. There is no higher authority. There is no other authority. If you'll notice, they say, yeah, sir, give us this bread that you're talking about because we don't want to have to eat again. Like we eat this bread, we'll never have to eat again, Right. And Jesus was talking about their spiritual life. So just as we need food, just as I'm going to, you know, it's, it's when this service is over and stuff and I clean up all whatever here, go home, I'm going to be looking for food. That's, that's, that's going to be on my mind. You know, my brother at times has said when he was going to residence and stuff like that, he's like, I talked to him, you know, and he's like, yeah, I forgot to eat today. You know, uh, I'm just now getting around to eat. It's like eight o'clock and night. I'm like, forget to eat. How do you how do you do that? Like, I don't, I don't I've been very busy in my life at times, but my body is basically screaming at me to eat like that's the only thing that's on my mind until it actually happens. And so it's, uh, you know, maybe I've again, I've probably got the one with the problem, but but nonetheless, it is a problem. I've already established that at the beginning is if there's one weakness for me, it definitely is, is absolutely food. And yet Jesus is more important than my eating. And just as my body needs and craves and wants food, we are told to crave and need and want Jesus. You know, when Satan tempted Jesus, do you guys remember that? He went into the wilderness, it was right after his baptism, and it says the Spirit drove him into the wilderness. And for 40 days, and you remember that number 40 is kind of interesting in the Bible, isn't it? You've seen it pop up with Noah, with the children of Israel, right? Forty years. The, and now Jesus, which is why we do 40 days of fasting in Lent, by the way, because of Jesus here. In the temptation, Satan comes to him. One of the temptations was it, Jesus was hungry. So he was actually hungry. He's hungry. He, you, know, you, you can imagine how you've probably got this headache, you've got a stomach, you know, you just, your, your body's wanting food. And Satan says to him, Turn these rocks into bread. Now, had he done that, world hunger would have ended. You understand that, right? There would be no world hunger. People in India would not be starving any longer. People in Africa could just go out this morning and get a bagel from the rocks. He could have ended it just right there, which was the real great temptation here. It wasn't just over him eating. That's that's kind of a weak... It was a greater one than that. that, But here's what Jesus responds with, man does not live by bread alone. Do you know how powerful that is? Just stop and think with me. Because we all want to see world hunger end, don't we? But you know what Jesus identifies as the greater problem here? Is that you can be full and still be in bad, bad shape. Actually, worse shape than the person who's hungry who knows Jesus. In other words, if we were to provide as the church food for everybody in the entire world, Jesus says, that's not good enough. I am the only thing that ultimately will satisfy the human craving. Our hearts wrestle. They're restless until they are rested in Jesus. Until we know Him, until we taste of Him and see that He's good. You know what Psalm... 34, you probably know it very well, right? Taste, the psalmist says, taste and see that the Lord is good. You ever had somebody do that before? You're like, hey, check this out. Taste this and see if it's any good. I love that. You can do that to me anytime. If you want to invite me over to test your food, that's fine with me. I I like all kinds of food. Really do. No joke. Um, The psalmist says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Is good. Have you ever tasted truly? Have you ever really experienced Jesus? Because when you do, there is nothing in this world that satisfies the soul more than Him. Amen. Once you've tasted of that, it's like eating or drinking your favorite thing and then going back to some fast food garbage or junk food. Not going to be the same. You're going to always long for that experience. And you know what? That's what we should crave is times with Jesus where he fills us up. The scripture says this. Do not be filled with wine unto drunkenness, but instead filled with the Holy Spirit. We should literally, in a real way, many people have written articles about this, look it up online, be drunk with the Spirit. Drink of him until our world is spinning only around him. This is what we're called to do. And only that drink will satisfy. There is no bottle today, no matter how costly or how cheap, that will ever fill our greatest desire in here. You see, we can be hungry and still be full. Or we can be full and still be hungry. The world around us, there are people that have in excess. They live prodigal lives. Now, that term prodigal, go look that up today. It's kind of like superfluous. It's living an abundant life, an extravagant life. You look around, that's Madison. That's Huntsville. It's Athens. It's where I live. It's my neighborhood is in excess. We have these. First world problems, as I say, you know, when somebody starts complaining about their waitress or whatever, their food, not getting here on time. You know, I always say that's a first world problem, man, Uh, because there's a lot of people who wish they had that problem today. They had to wait five more minutes. They will wait a lifetime never to see something like that. But you know what? We don't pity them just because they don't have the food that we do. We pity them if they don't have Jesus. Because let me tell you something. I've met some, some poor Indians who absolutely love Jesus. People in India. They love Jesus. With all, they could care less about food. Food is not their God. And you remember, Paul warns us, do not allow food to be your God. We were made for God and not just For food. Now here's the good news. He can heal us. Just as He healed Adam and Eve. He provided for them even when they ate the wrong stuff. And got sick. If you get my drift. (laughs) The Bible says we're all born sick. Eating the wrong stuff. We try to fill our lives with all this other stuff. And it will never ever make us full. It will only make us sick. Trying to, it's like being really hungry and trying to get full off candy. It's not going to happen. You can do a hundred suckers and I'm still going to be... You know, get a headache. I still got it. And I want food. I want substance. And until we bite our teeth in Christ, He says, we'll never be satisfied. Now Jesus says something really interesting here in John 6. And I just exhort you today to truly go back and read this chapter. It's a... It's one of the I mean this is one I constantly go back to and I'm still scratching my head on. Jesus says this, "If you don't eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you don't have any part with me." You know what the Bible says? then it says, many at that time were confused by that saying and troubled, and they decided not to follow him any longer. Interesting. it's John 6:66. 6, 6, 6. It says they decided not to follow him any longer. Jesus turns to His disciples and says, What about you guys? Peter says, Lord, we don't have anywhere else to go. You have the words of life. The word has come down in the flesh. We are told to not only remember Him, but participate in Him through this meal right here called the Lord's Supper. Communion. The Eucharist. If you ever heard the term Eucharist, that means to give thanks. It's the great thanksgiving. You see, here's what God wants us to do today. And we're going to invite everybody that will repent of their sins and put their faith in Jesus to come to this table and eat. Because when we eat, it gives our body nourishment to go and act, to go and do Jesus says, I came from the Father, and if you eat of me, you'll never hunger again. The Israelites, they ate of the manna that God provided, but they died. If you eat of this bread, you will live forever. This is Jesus' words. Not my own. Do I understand them all? No, but I'm just like a little kid, and I trust my Father. Sometimes I tell my boys to do things that that sound really odd to them, seem really weird to them, seem, quite frankly, dumb to them. What do you mean, we can't play video games all day? That's dumb, right? But I know more than they know. I know what they need, and I give them what they need, but I also give them more than just what they need. I love to give them over and beyond what I need to. Why? Because I want them to have good gifts. You know what Jesus says? If you, as an evil father, know how to give good gifts, how much more does the good father, the heavenly father, know how to give good gifts to his kids? This is his gift to us. This is provided by Jesus himself for us. It is a meal that we all eat today. We're all going to gather around this table as a family. and You know what was so awesome? I mean, when I think about this communion, every time I take communion, I think about what Revelation says. The writer of Revelation says, you know what? There's going to come in a day where there's going to be a marriage supper of the Lamb. So even, here's what I like, even when we get to heaven, we're going to get to eat. I like that, huh? I mean, that's something to get behind. You know what I mean? Like, If you don't know what to get behind in Christianity already, that's something to get behind. I'm telling you, in Buddhism, you you transcend the stuff and you leave food behind. I'm not down with that, you know, (laughs) like this is good. God made it good and he likes it and he's going to keep it around. Even in heaven, we'll have food. And he's going to lay a big spread and we're going to sit around. And you know who will be there? Pappy will be there. And you know what? I think he probably has a garden up there. I'll just be honest with you. Because he likes to share stuff. I guarantee sharing what he has. That's his nature. That's God's nature. Is that our nature? Is that my nature? It always weighs on me. Am I the kind of person that is willing to share my food with others? This is what Jesus has done. He takes the bread. He breaks the bread. He gives it to his disciples. Are we willing... To be broken for Him. Distributed out into the world. I pray for these little boys and this girl of mine still in utero that God would send them out into His world. I really do. I mean, it doesn't matter where they end up next door or a thousand miles away. It really doesn't. Because I have a greater hope than just this world. It's like what I oftentimes have told Justin and my own dad, because we don't get to be with each other like on Sundays when you want to be with your family. I say, you know what? We work now, but later we'll rest. We'll rest. We're not here just to feast. Our world around us thinks that's all life is sometimes, it's just a bunch of feasting, partying. It's not. There's work to be done. We eat so we can be sustained in Him. Enjoy each other's fellowship. Enjoy His fellowship so we can invite others to this table. Amen. This is not just for us. It's for others. And just as we consume this food, may we then be consumed by the Spirit so we can reach out to others, inviting them in in the highways and the byways to this table, the Lord's table. Because we know that only Jesus is the bread of life. Period. I am the bread of life. Let's say that together. I am the bread of life. If we believe that, we'll approach Him today by repenting of our sins and believing in the good news of Jesus. Let's do that now. We, we invite you. Amen.